right, Justin, way to be. He's also upping the bar on the uh, quality of the photo. Suit and tie, that was impressive. Well, this is a monumental weekend uh, for us as a church. We are, a, we are officially one church in two locations as of this moment. Come on, give God a hand for that. It's been a, uh, a long time coming, and there's been, uh, you know, some forks in the road and uh, the odd obstacle, but hey, how many know God is bigger? When God says something's going to happen, uh, we just stay faithful to him, we stay united together and, and stay close to what he's doing, and he will bring it to pass. Uh, and I want to uh, encourage you, uh, you know, just continue on loving people, inviting people. Our church, our church has always thrived on the personal connection one-on-one connection. And that's how we're going to continue uh, moving ahead uh, in in the days and the years uh, to come. I also want to remind you and encourage you, uh, please be sure that you're paying close attention to which location things are happening at. Uh, During announcements, uh, the uh, online, of course, you can get those uh, on the newly revamped website, which if you've not been on to yet, you should be. Uh, It's got everything you need on there. Uh, we had an amazing time of prayer uh, Wednesday night. How many were there Wednesday night? Come on, that was so good. Uh, so much fun. I want to encourage you, uh, come, on, come and join us the first Wednesday and the fifth Wednesday uh, of each month. Uh, that was our first all-church prayer meeting uh, at the Gage Park uh, location, uh, and uh, it was just an amazing uh, time. It was like one of those celebration victory type of, uh, type of prayer times. Uh, You know, Mary said this earlier, and I really sensed this in my spirit on Wednesday night when we were praying. You know, personally and individually, you can go through things, and we all go through things in life, right? Life happens. And collectively as a church, you know, we've gone through uh, the last several years where we've been persevering and pushing ahead and seeing uh, this project uh, fulfilled. You know, there's something to be said about understanding that when, when God brings a breakthrough for us collectively, let it build your faith for the breakthrough you're believing for individually. I have no doubt that many of you who were there uh, on Wednesday night, even if you came in with your own burden and your own issue of life still weighing you down, I'm sure you walked out with your faith a little bit higher, being reminded that my God is able. My God can do uh, amazing things uh, and great things uh, in our lives. You know, this is a perfect timing with, you know, uh, opening a new location uh, here in our city. We've said this all the way along, and we'll keep saying it. We're doing this so more people hear the good news of Jesus. Can I get an amen from you? We're going to take a few weeks, and we're going to dive in a little bit uh, and talk about Jesus and who Jesus is and who Jesus is to us and how much Jesus changes our lives. How many here would say, you're excited because you know Jesus? Let me hear you if you're excited because of Jesus uh, in your life. When you know Jesus, it should drive you in how you worship. It should drive you in how you live day to day, how much we love to give, how much we love to uh, be united together in his cause and his purpose. Jesus changes everything. Think about what your life was like before Jesus showed up. Man, oh man, imagine where you'd be today uh, had you not uh, met Jesus. You know, Jesus is really misunderstood in our society. Wouldn't you agree? Sadly, I think most people probably just know the name as a swear word. That's probably the most common reference people grow up hearing. They don't, people know who God is. 
and they might have different ideas of God, but there's a general idea that, yeah, okay, God, I've heard of God, I know uh, about God. But Jesus, not so much. Jesus isn't as commonly uh, spoken about uh, or referred to uh, in our society. And I think that as we've all experienced, most of us here have experienced, when you know Jesus and you understand the change and, and the impact he has on your life, we should, it should drive us to want more people to hear that good news. It should motivate us to want to uh, share how good he is with other people. You know, in Matthew 16, Jesus asks an amazing question while he's in a conversation uh, with his disciples. They're all chatting together, and Jesus says to them, who do people say that I am? Who do people say that I am? Now, think about this. There have been times in your life where you've asked this question. You've asked somebody else, hey, what are they saying about me? Usually, we don't ask it with the greatest motive, right? Usually, we're not asking that because, uh, you know, we're expecting to hear amazing news. We're probably saying, what are they saying about me behind my back? Jesus goes to them all and says, who do other people say that I am? And they give their a few answers, and we'll pick this up in Matthew 16, uh, verse 13. Uh, we'll start in. Uh, they've been ministering together. They've got some time alone, and Jesus asks this question, who do they say that I am? Well, some of them say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. Some say you're Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. And then he said, but who do you guys say that I am? That's what everybody else, that's who everybody else thinks I am. Who do you think I am? And Peter says, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, Simon, son of John, you are blessed because my father in heaven has revealed this to you. You didn't learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that you are Peter, which means rock, and on this rock I'll build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it, and I'll give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Then he sternly warned the disciples to not tell anybody that he was the Messiah. We're going to break this down. We're going to go through a few of these things, because this becomes a foundational moment in the development of the church. Right, The church that he's talking about here, this is the church you and I get to be a part of a couple thousand years later. How many are grateful that God set the church in motion? Jesus set the church in motion, and we get to do this journey together. We get to experience life together because of his church. So some of them say, John the Baptist. Some of them say, you're like a prophet. The Jews had a belief that really good people when they died, that their spirits and their souls would return in the bodies of people still alive. In other words, that person was too good. We can't live without them. So their soul and their spirit, they keep on hopping from body to body. Yeah, you know, I don't know how long that would last, but that was one of the beliefs that they had was that uh, somebody, uh, the soul of a good person would go into the body of someone else. So they guessed that he was one of the prophets because they had really learned to respect and revere and honor uh, the old Testament prophets. John the Baptist, that's kind of a logical guess. All right, I understand that because their ministries looked so similar. They did a lot of the same stuff. They taught a lot of the same things. In fact, if you go to John 3, and we're not going to turn there, but in John 3, we hear people saying to John that you must be the Messiah. So people were saying to Jesus, you must be John. People were saying to John, you must be the Messiah. They were uh, very much uh, similar. And, and uh, you know, there's a whole a whole thing that happens there in the scripture and in theology, if you study this, 
about the link between John and Jesus, which we won't get into, but they had a similar ministry, healings, baptisms, preaching the good news, so on and so forth. Now, in Luke 1, we get this gem thrown at us. Luke 1, verse 15, says, this is now talking about uh, John the Baptist before uh, he's born. He will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He will never touch alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He'll turn the hearts of the father to the children. And he'll cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. I don't want to just zip past John here without taking a moment and looking at the example given to you and I, uh, and really some good indicators here as to how we can strive and how we should just desire to live our lives for Jesus. I love the fact that it starts out saying, he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. How many would love it to be said of you that you are great in the eyes of the Lord? Wow, really? Like eight of you? How many would love God to look at you and say, hey, they're great in my eyes? They're great in my sight. How amazing would that be? Great in the eyes of the Lord. You know, it's interesting. If you go to Matthew 7, verse 15, there's kind of an opposite scenario. And I want to show these two scenarios quickly and then come back to John. Matthew seven fifteen says, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit, you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree can't bear bad, and a bad tree can't bear good. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Verse 21, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the ones who do the will of my Father. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we drive out demons in your name? Didn't we perform many miracles in your name? And I will look at them plainly and say, I never knew you. Away from me. Yikes. That's the opposite of being called great. We see two scenarios here. One where we show up before the Lord at the end of our time here on earth, and he says, not too sure who you are. You're going to have to head that away. And we have another scenario where somebody is being called great in the eyes of God. Often, I hear this question asked, and it's a good one, especially from younger believers or young people. They say, how can I know that I'm on the right track? I don't want to find out then. I don't want to show up and say, I was doing all this for you. And he says, who in the world are you? I want to know now. I want to get on the right journey now. I want to get on the right path now. Well, the scriptures and this, these two examples, I believe, can give you some key insight onto, into knowing that you are living your life the way God has destined. Okay, the first thing. Letter A, fruit matters. Turn to your neighbor and say, fruit matters. You wouldn't plant an apple tree, and 25 years later, having never received a single apple, keep on pruning it, taking care of it, making sure it stays healthy. You would have cut that thing down a long time ago and said, okay, this, you know, it's been 25 years. There's not a single apple has ever grown off of this thing. I got a bad tree. I'm going to plant, I'm going to cut it down, and I'm going to plant one that hopefully uh, gives me some apples. We've got to make sure that as Christians, we don't get deceived by outward charisma or by trying to fake it till you make it. Fruit matters. 
Fruit in our lives matters. And the, and the Bible gives us all kinds of fruit of the Spirit that should be evident uh, in our lives. Right? There, it, should be, it should get to the point where people can look at you and know there's something different about you. And many of you have this experience in your workplaces where you've had people come to you and say, I don't know what it is with you, but you're different than everyone else, and I need to talk to you about some heavy stuff in my life. They have felt a sense of trust with you simply by watching you because they see there's something different. That's the fruit of the Spirit working in your life. You appear differently to them. There's no great reward for being an undercover Christian, and nobody can tell that there's anything different about you. We're called to not be annoying necessarily and, you know, be hypocritical or smack people around, but there should be a difference that people see in our lives. And in the life of John, we see these uh, few things, these few key points in that passage we read, uh, a few, few key points that are spoken about him where he's called great in the eyes of God. Number one, filled with the Spirit. How many here filled with the Spirit? The Holy Spirit changes everything. We spoke about this a little bit last weekend. It is impossible, it is impossible to stay dry, hypocritical, religious if you've got the Holy Spirit active and working in your life. It's impossible. There is no, you cannot have those two things coexisting. You can't just live year after year after year with just dryness and bitterness and no life and claim that the Spirit is just pouring over you week after week. If the Spirit's pouring over you week after week, you are going to demonstrate it. It is going to flow through your life and flow out of your life. And it says that John was going to be filled with the Spirit, which was going to be one of the things uh, that absolutely marks him and made a difference in his life. You and I need to be filled with the Spirit, too. It says he was going to turn many to Jesus. He was going to turn many to Jesus. Jesus hung on a cross for this. I'm pretty sure we catch his attention when we partner with the most important thing in his mind and in his heart, and that is helping others experience the same good news that you and I have experienced. The third thing that is said about John is he would turn the hearts of fathers to children. Did you know your God is a God of restoration? Come on, your God is a God of restoration. Your God is a God of healing. Your God is a God of multiple generations. God is not so small and weak and feeble that one generation loves him and then they all hate each other and the next generation runs and does its own thing and then he has to show up again and restore. No, he wants us to uh, see the fathers and the uh, children's hearts turn to one another and there to be unity and restoration in our homes and in our families. Some of you are believing for loved ones. Keep believing because believe me, God absolutely has his eye on them. God wants to restore them and draw them to him. God wants to restore them and draw them back to you. This is the God that we serve. He's a, a God of, of restoration. He's a God of unity. The fourth thing we see said about John is he will turn the hearts of rebellious to accept godly wisdom. This is all found in Luke where we just read a few minutes ago. Of course, the Holy Spirit is essential in this. None of us can turn the heart of a rebellious person to God just by smooth words. There has to be a Holy Spirit impartation that happens. There has to be uh, just, you know, a love for people that flows uh, out of our lives. You know, fruit, like I said earlier, fruit matters. Fruit matters. We can brag all we want about our ability to do this, our ability to do that, but ultimately, we want to make sure that we're living our lives filled with his spirit, being so excited about what Jesus has done that it infects other people around us. This is one of those times where infection is a good thing. You infect others with a love for Jesus. Can I get an amen? amen. Now, back to Matthew 16. Who do you say that I am? 
we hear Simon Peter respond, Jesus, the Son of God. You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And we're going to take a few weeks here, and we're going to dive into the life of Jesus. We're going to dive into the reality and the goodness of Jesus, uh, because when we really, truly have an experience with him, everything changes. Our lives are different. John 3.16 tells us, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him won't perish, but will have eternal life. Jesus is the pathway to God. Jesus is the pathway to eternity. Jesus is the one who came and was made flesh and absolutely transformed the rest of humanity and the rest of time because of what he did coming to earth and going on that cross for us. I love that it says, you are blessed because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You didn't learn this from any human being. There's a key lesson in here for us. If you can talk somebody into accepting Jesus, somebody else can talk them out of it. That's not our job. Our job is to be a witness. Our job is to share. Our job is to love. Our job is to serve. Our job is to tell the good news, of course. But the Holy Spirit is who reveals. And that's what he says right here. Ah, you're blessed because only my Father in heaven could have revealed this to you. That's the only way you could even get that answer. He was starting to realize, okay, Slowly but surely, the plan's coming together. These are the guys I'm leaving with the mission of starting my church, but I got to make sure they understand the basics. And him answering that question that way, Jesus was like, yes, come on. You're, you're, you're getting uh, insight. You're getting impartation from the Lord that you couldn't get anywhere else. This is a model for the Christian life. This is the model for how you and I should desire to live our lives as believers. When you open the word, don't just do it because it's a duty. Pray, be in the presence of God, and say, Lord, I want you to impart and reveal something to me today. I'm stunned at how often I will read the same passages over year after year and learn something new every single time. And God will show me something new every single time. I'm pretty sure for however many times I read through the Bible, the rest of my life, I'm going to learn something new every time. Because he's constantly illuminating, revealing, imparting to you and I. And right here he says, you're blessed because my heavenly father is the one who revealed this to you. God works through us in the same way he worked through John the Baptist. Exact same. Exact same way that it happened back then is how it happens today. Please understand something. He talks about this rock I'm going to build this church on. Now, gave Peter the name rock. Petra means rock. He wasn't saying, you are now the the rock that I'm building the church on. He He wouldn't load up that responsibility on Peter. Jesus is still the rock. Jesus is the foundation. Jesus is the solid rock. But what he was doing was he was saying, I, this guy right here, I'm going to entrust as being like the founding, uh, one of the founding builders of the church. He gave him the word rock because he could see he was so stable and so solid in his understanding uh, of, uh, of the Lord and his understanding of the principles that Jesus had taught him. And he says, I'm going to use you to be the one who starts this thing called the church. But don't ever forget who the rock really is. You plant your life on Jesus, the solid rock. You don't plant your life on Peter, the rock. Two separate rocks, but kind of, you know, working together. In fact, if you just go, like, literally five verses later, Peter spouts off and says something, and he says, get behind me, Satan. You don't know what you're talking about. I'm sure Peter's thinking, hang on a second here. I'm the rock you're going to build the church on one minute. Now you're yelling at me and calling me Satan the next. Because he hadn't quite gotten everything. When Jesus started talking about his death and his death to come, Peter didn't like that. 
Understand something. Jesus isn't just the rock. He's your rock. Where do you need stability? Where do you need to have your life planted? What is it that you've been believing for? What is it that has been shaky? What areas of your life you can tell just haven't been planted on solid ground? Get those things planted on the rock of Jesus because he is all that you need. He is the rock that will absolutely bring you through anything and everything you ever go through. He's not just some vague rock. He is our rock. When disappointments come out of the blue, stand on the rock of Jesus. When you get that bad health diagnosis, stand on the rock of Jesus. When you lose your job, stand on the rock of Jesus. When somebody offends you, stand on the rock of Jesus. When life gets difficult, stand on the rock of Jesus. Don't ever go anywhere else. Plant yourself there and say, I'm going to stand on this rock, and that's it. Life is good. Life is bad. This thing is where I'm staying. Jesus is where I'm staying. Imagine going through the things we go through in life without Jesus. I remember when this was really illuminated and really hit home back when my wife had cancer while being while pregnant uh, with Francesca and going back and forth. I remember to the hospitals and all that and, you know, all those not fun conversations. And then, of course, coming to the point of having surgery and having her thyroid removed and all the cancer removed with it. And I remember we were chatting one day. And I guess our eyes were maybe opened even a bit more to this because when you're going for cancer treatment, you're in that hospital with everybody else who's going for cancer treatment. That's, it's, not a, it's not a fun place uh, to be, right? Everybody's there for the same thing. And it's the disease and the word you don't ever want to hear uh, spoken that you have. And we would see people holding on to like a little rock or a little stuffed animal or a special blanket. And, and Mary would chat with some of the people, you know, when she was there waiting Uh, longer, and people would say, like, this is the thing that gives me hope. Like, this is my special animal from whoever. You know, there's like a story, of course, behind these things. And it really dawned on us one time, and we were chatting one of the times when we left, like, imagine not knowing Jesus and having to go through these sorts of things, and you're just, you're desperate to find something to put your hope in. Something that you can say, like, I can stand on this. My grandma's special blanket or this special rock from such and such a time in my life. Think about how your life is different because you have Jesus. The next time you're going to go off on some big whiny complaint tangent because things aren't going your way, stop and remind yourself, I know Jesus. Life could be a lot worse. My life could be a lot worse. Where would I be if I didn't know Jesus? How would I endure certain circumstances and hardships if I didn't know Jesus? Knowing Jesus changes everything. It should change our perspective. It should change our hope. It should change our faith. Oh, sure, you go through difficult seasons. You're going to cry. You're going to feel broken. You're going to be hurt. I get it. That's normal. God gave us those emotions. But ultimately, deep down, when you're planted on the rock, you know that you're still planted on the rock. And even though you might be in a season where the waves feel like they're crashing around and they're smashing against you, you know that rock's not going anywhere. You know the rock of Jesus is trustworthy. You know the rock of Jesus is solid. You know that you are standing on the solid rock and nothing can push you off of that thing. So don't step off of it. Stay firm on the rock of Jesus. Turn to your neighbor and say, stand firm on the rock. Everywhere we read through Scripture comes back to Jesus' love for us. Have you noticed this? 
because of his great love for us, he did this. We love him because he first loved us. God loved us so much, he sent his son on the cross. Everywhere we read, Jesus loves us. And I think we all need to be reminded of this. Some of you have been a follower of Jesus for many years or many decades. You still need to be reminded. Some of you don't know anything about Jesus yet. You need to hear this. Jesus, God, your Father in heaven, loves you. You, personally. I want you to receive that tonight into your own heart, personally. He doesn't just love other people. He doesn't just love the good people. We call good people as if any of us are good without him. No, he loves you. He loves you. He absolutely loves you. He loves your family. He loves you personally. He knows every detail in your life. Jesus loves you. We need to accept it. It's a free gift, and usually we're the problem because we just have a hard time really wrapping our heads around that because we've been hurting by we've been hurt by so many people. Once we stop viewing life through a natural, you know, natural lenses, and we start viewing it through a spiritual lens, we realize. I know the greatest Lord, the greatest King, the greatest Savior, the greatest person, the greatest God. I know him personally. Yeah, my circumstances aren't great right now, but Lord, thank you that I know you. Thank you that you came and found me. And it was just as we read earlier, speaking to Peter, it was only because you revealed yourself to me. That's how I know you, Lord, and I thank you again today. I believe there's something powerful that comes in the midst of your hardest circumstances when you can get back on your knees and you can begin to thank your God. It's easy to pray prayers of thanks and, you know, have a smile on your face when everything's going great. You get the great report. You're free of that particular sickness. You get the new job. You know, when things are going well, it's, it's a bit easier. But, boy, there's something powerful in the midst of a trial, in the midst of a difficult season. There's something powerful that comes when we get back on our knees and we say, God, forget my circumstances for a minute. I want to just tell you how thankful I am for you. I want to tell you how much I love you. Lord, I want you to hear from the bottom of my heart my thankfulness. Lord, I'm so grateful. Lord, where would I be without you? I'm not here to start asking about this and asking about that right now. I want to just come and bless you, my Savior, my King, my Heavenly Father who loves me so dearly. There's great power in that. There's great power in learning how to be thankful, even when circumstances would say, "Huh, you don't have much to be thankful for right now. If you know Jesus, you always have something to be thankful for. If you know Jesus, you have the greatest gift to be thankful for. And I believe that it starts to shift our perspective. When we remind ourselves and we get into the scripture and be reminded of who Jesus is once again, it starts to change us when instead of every prayer time being, God, please fix this, please fix this, please fix this, when we can get before him and say, I love you and I'm so grateful for you. It starts to shift our perspective of life. It's not so negative and so all about my needs, but we're reminded that, boy, I'm serving an amazing God, and there's much bigger issues than just mine. God knows what you're going through. God sees your life. The Bible tells us he loves to take burdens off of us. Nobody else in life you'll ever meet, uh, you'll hear this from. He says, hey, come here, cast those burdens on me. I want to carry them for you. I literally want you to give me your heaviest stuff, your worst stuff, your most awful stuff. I want it. What kind of a God, what kind of a king is this? He was the most humble, the most serving, the most loving 
person who there ever was, and he's your heavenly father still today. He loves and cares for every single one of us deeply today. We're in a season right now of advancement as a church. You know there's only one way that a group of regular average Joe Blows like you and I can see God use us to have an impact in our city, to see us be able to double our capacity as a church so more people can hear the good news. That only happens when you know who Jesus is and you're willing to run after him with all your heart. When you know who Jesus is, you're able to dig a bit deeper and give even when it hurts. You're able to roll up your sleeves and scrub and help build and serve on A-teams. You realize that serving coffee in the cafe isn't just serving coffee, but there's people sitting there connecting, people being discipled, people learning how to read the Bible for the first time. You realize that when you're in the parking lot greeting people, you're not just making sure the cars don't go all over the grass. You're actually there helping people to have a good experience, being welcomed to the place where they're going to find Jesus. Worship team, media teams, kids, you name it. Every opportunity that there is, it's all for one purpose, so people would know Jesus. I want Jesus to be made famous in our city. I want Jesus to be made famous for everybody who steps through these doors, everybody who steps into any campus that we ever open. I want Jesus to be made famous here. Because Jesus changes lives. The buildings and facilities don't. The actual, you know, coffee we serve isn't changing any lives, even though, hey, I love coffee and I'll keep it coming. No, it's Jesus who changes lives. We're able to do what we do as a church because of Jesus. I want to finish with a question that I started with, and I want you to personalize this. Who is Jesus to you? Who do you say that he is in your life? Have you relegated him to just a religious part of your life that kind of collects dust on a shelf somewhere and once in a while you go back there when you need something? Did you once have a great passion and a great love for him, but it's just, you know, you've allowed life to become bigger and him to become smaller? Are you still passionately in love with Jesus? Do you still find yourself just absolutely thrilled to be in his presence like you did years ago? Then you would say, yeah, he's still my savior. He's still my friend. He's still my rock next weekend, we're going to dive into Jesus as your compassionate king. Very few kings in history have been, have shown the type of compassion that comes from him. And I want to encourage you, invite a neighbor, invite a coworker, invite a family member, invite a friend to either campus. We're going to talk about Jesus as our compassionate king. Nobody has more compassion for you than him. Nobody. Who do you say Jesus is in your life? What place and prominence does he have in your life? Where does he rank today, 2018, in your life? He wants to absolutely give us everything that he's got, but he requires us to open up our hearts and give him everything we've got. He requires surrender from us. Our human nature doesn't like surrender. Our culture hates surrender. Our society definitely teaches young people against having any sense of surrender and teamwork. It's all about the individual. As a believer and a follower of Jesus, we have to break through all those walls and say, God, I surrender my life to you. 
I surrender that right to hold a grudge. I surrender that right uh, to be lazy. I surrender that right to be critical. I surrender that right uh, to not treat people well. I surrender that right uh, to live all about me. I surrender that right to be a consumer in the house of God. I surrender it all. I surrender my life to you. Jesus, I want to experience all that you have for me. How many would agree that when Jesus shows up, everything changes? Life is never the same. Life will never be the same once you decide, I'm planting my life on that rock and I am not going to budge. I am not going to move. He established his church and he said the gates of hell could try all they want. If you read into Bible commentaries and Bible research on this, it paints a picture of the rest of time. That phrase, the gates of hell are going to try to shake against it, it refers to any opposition that ever comes from then until the end of time when we all go to see Jesus, when everything here on earth is done. No matter what the enemy attempts, it will not stop the advancement of his church. It will not stop the advancement of his kingdom. You're part of the greatest thing, the greatest organization, the greatest kingdom that will ever exist. Nothing can stop. Nothing can prevent it. Nothing can halt his church from expanding and impacting places in the world. There are remote regions in the world now where people are falling in love with Jesus. Literally all over the world, Jesus is being made famous. The enemy can try to resist all he wants, but Jesus is going to see it through to the end. How many are so grateful to be a part of the church of Jesus Christ? Can I hear an amen from you? Church, let's close in prayer. God, we love you. We're so thankful for you. Lord, I pray for a fresh revelation right now in our hearts about who you are. Jesus, I pray that you would once again become the number one in our lives. I pray that we would all leave here today and take honest stock of our life and say, you know what? I I didn't intend this, Lord, but I have let you slip. I have kind of just pushed you aside and gotten too busy with other things. Lord, I pray that there would be such a love well up within us that we can't help but invite others and share the good news with others and pray for others. Be anointed and filled with your spirit and believe for an impartation to touch others so that they too can know you. They too can experience Jesus. Lord, we are grateful and we will forever be grateful for what you've done in our life. You revealed yourself to us. The only reason we even can have the honor of loving you is because you first loved us. Lord, I pray right now for our hearts to be open for a fresh revelation of your love. Our hearts to be open for a fresh revelation of who you are. Just keep your eyes closed for a moment in this atmosphere. I want to ask you a quick question before we wrap up here. If you're here and you don't have your own personal relationship with Jesus, or maybe you did, like I said, you know, at one point a long time ago, and you've just let it slip for whatever reason, any reason, I want to give you a chance to pray a simple prayer with me today where you can start your own relationship with Jesus. You can start your own journey with him.